0: Suleiman, how was your week?
1: Sad-a-din. Um yesterday I performed spoken word mm. for the first time in public, okay. and it was mm. actually Sadadin's <laughs> event. So he organized a poetry event, um, which I performed because he forced me to perform, <laughs> um, and it was very, it was very good. Um, like yeah, I'm very, very thankful good. that he gave me that opportunity. Yeah, yeah Sadaddeen, how was your week, man? Bro,
0: my week is is the is being the audience of your of your um, <laughs> performance, man. Yeah, the way like Suleiman just captivated the audience. It was crazy, and I remember just—it's mad because like even so, it's a silly someone I talk to all the time and things like that. But like when he performed it, it was like, "Wow, I never seen." There's so many things that you realize that it, even with like I was saying to you earlier, like even with people that you consider close and things like that, there's so many things that you don't know about people. Mm. Um, and, and being I was able to—he like, kept that quiet. Yeah, <laughs> man. Always, it was. I felt like very blessed to be able to to hear that to hear that and and. Go and see that journey that he took when he was writing it. You give us a
2: little medley now.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> two bars. Go <laughs> on. Uh, let me see what I can remember. <laughs> I try to do the first paragraph if I can. You ready? Yeah. Close your eyes. Now, nah, seriously, close your eyes. In order for you to see what I see, I'm going to need for you to be blind. That's the first three lines. <laughs> I'll give you that only. That's deep. That's, yeah, that's deep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I actually I was actually gonna think of was uh, thinking of closing my eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that that's a, a, yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that an instruction? Is that yeah, the yeah, yeah oh, that's, that's the, the thing. thing. And
0: people in the audience actually closed their eyes, which was quite yeah, I was yeah, quite yeah, yeah, happy about it. Cause when you said no, seriously close your eyes, I was like he's like it's talking to me yeah, now. Yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. made it very personal. <laughs> um but yeah, um how's we got a very special individual in the room today. Would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Assalamualaikum. alaykum. my name is Omar, Omar Salha. Um I'm uh, an academic, I'm a, le- I'm a lecturer, I'm also the founder and CEO of Ramadan 10 Project, mm-hmm. but in this room, I'm just another West Londoner,
1: <laughs> who, That's it. yeah, just looking yeah. forward to having this little catch-up, cool, free West I'm loving Londoners, this setup, by the way, you know, oh, this, right.
2: this reminds me of uh, the social network. Okay. Oh, you know, <laughs> the beginnings of Facebook. Yeah, this is <laughs> the beginnings of like a FTSE 100
0: uh, company. Okay? Man, yeah, man. Very kind of you to say, Inshallah. man. Um, so, Omar, how's how's your week, man? Alhamdulillah. Very good. Alhamdulillah. Alive, blessed, uh, family, all good. Let's start at the beginning. Who is Omar Salha? How, how did you get to the stage that you're at now? What are some early memories that come to mind?
2: Ooh, uh, we're going to go back uh, a couple of hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> um there's An image that there's a picture my mum took of me, mm. which was in East London, and uh, I, I don't know why I just remember that. Uh, behind those really old red buses, mm. like the old school, like those checkered orange brown seats, oh okay. yeah. Buses. <laughs> which are now probably like um, made into dresses or <laughs> shirts yeah. now because they're so like vintage. Yeah. You know? Um, I remember people used to sit on them, there used to be loads of dust. I don't know mm, if you've ever tried yeah. to, like, stuff in the seat yeah. like that, anyways. Um But yeah, I remember that picture my mom took of me. And I remember that was in East London, my land. Mm, And then parents, uh, obviously new to the country, they uh, emigrated from Lebanon because of the civil war. So I was born in Beirut Mm. during the civil war. So actually, uh, officially, you could say I'm a war child in the Mm. sense that, you know, during during that very, very tough time. Uh, my parents uh, found a way and, subhanAllah, just m- m- you know, found themselves in London.
1: Mm. Did your parents talk to you much about their experience of the civil war growing up?
2: Growing up, yeah. I mean, not there and then, but obviously, yeah. as I, you know, I think at university, I did the Middle East and uh, Middle East mm, politics. Okay. Mm. So, obviously, uh, there was a lot of talk on, Le- on mm. Lebanon and mm. I think naturally... When you come back home and you're talking mm. about lebanon your father's like okay now i now i need to maybe sit yeah. down and <laughs> you yeah. know what they're teaching you at the university maybe tell you the real okay. some yeah. of the undocumented yeah. events that took place mm. but that was a really interesting experience i mean um it was it was it was awful it was about 15 years mm. um you know it was several factions involved mm. uh one of the th- i mean lebanon really hasn't um come back from uh, from from those events mm. We still see the same thing Being played out Again and again Politically mm. So even now As we speak There are sitting protests yeah. There's no mm. government In place really mm. um, It's quite a, a, a dire situation To be honest So subhanAllah If I had stayed My parents decided To stay in Lebanon It would be a completely Different story mm-hmm. I don't know what, what I would be Doing right now mm-hmm. uh, What my parents Would be doing So subhanAllah for, for them to make That decision And Allah facilitated For them mm. and Especially they had No one here so it was a really tough decision. So, mm-hmm. uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I grew up in London. Um, uh, we moved around, so East London, North London, so around Seven Sisters, mm. Frisby Park, um, and uh, we had a good, strong family unit. I always look back in, uh, I suppose, uh, in in deep reflection, which which puts a smile on my face when I think about my secondary years, especially.
0: Okay. Um, tell us about tell us because you went to you went to Henry Compton, right? The notorious yeah, yeah. Henry Compton. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about what that was like because I know people that went to it and it was very formative for them. So how was it like for you? Ooh, Henry Compton. Well, so the uniform was black trousers, black blazer, white
2: shirt and a navy blue blue tie. And uh, our, our sort of emblem on the, on the uniform was a crown and two swords. Mm. And it was all boys, school. And the second word is Henry Compton, mm. school. So... It looked like we're going to funeral every day. Like, after <laughs> a war, like you know, when you just dressed in that way <laughs> yeah, every day, you're just. But you know what, Subhanallah, like so many memories. I think that's what made me a man early, mm. my early early teenage years. I think when you're, I look back and I think moments of where you, you know, you're going, you're going to a very macho you know uh, school, uh, in Fulham, um, it was. You know one of the worst secondary schools in the country yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I think you know national average of, of GCC pass rate was 55 yeah, percent yeah, yeah. still still there and thereabouts around the same I think we were hitting 17 percent mm. you know and that was like the best ever mm. you know in our year um, before maybe 15 yeah. percent uh, so it just became a you know uh, you know I think uh, there's a time for the school to sort of close yeah. down and now it's called something else but yeah. I look back and I think those five years mm. spent at Henry Compton were pfft, yeah I, I did not prepare for that almost painting a dystopia <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't you know real, it's one of those yeah it's one of them was why i gotta be yeah the Hunger look, Games. i feel like, like i look back though i think you know what I, I, I really do miss those days you know what i think a lot of schools i reckon used to envy our school yeah not because of the grades yeah but i think because of the sense of like it was the most talked about school in the area yeah. i remember they were there sheen yeah. Not not too far. A D T Emmanuel College. These are all you know in affluent areas of London, parts yeah. of London like Putney, Wandsworth, mm. Mm. Um, Fulham as well. I mean, like for us it was really weird because we would come out of school and then you're suddenly surrounded by these mm. semi-detached houses. Mm. Very few council block estates that you could see. Maybe you walk a couple of like uh, a couple of miles. You're, you're in you're in the you're in the trenches. You're in like. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kamatley yeah. Estate. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Kamatley Estate doesn't does need no, does no, no introduction, yeah. you know. Uh, West Kent, not too far of Northern Road as yeah. well. So, and I think the joy that I had from going to a school like uh, like Henry Compton. I'm not gonna lie. The first time I went to the to the school, mm. we sat down with the head teacher. And my mm. parents, you know, the ones where you're you're at the age of seven, and your parents are like teaching you how to like maybe you know. Um, do certain homeworks at the age of seven, and mm. like, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know what, this is how um, you spell certain words, etc. Mm. And then, like, I think seven years later, when you're 14, you're suddenly now de- dealing with like applications for your parents, mm. you know, like, <laughs> it's, like tables have turned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're straight in, chuck it to the deeper, you're suddenly now they're asking you for counsel advice, yeah. you know, like, at the age of 14, you're like, what? Yeah. Why did I come be your legal counsel? Yeah. But subhanAllah, yeah. that again, I mean, part of being the eldest. Sibling in my family mm. also propelled me into like, yeah you know, taking on a lot more responsibilities, looking yeah. out for my younger siblings, yeah um, being the first to experience the system that we that we are in, the mm. education system. But um, yeah, I just think like for me, th- the that experience of being a touristy known for the wrong reasons mm. um, actually made me appreciate that if I can survive this, if I can come out of this, mm. then against all odds. Yeah. Then, then, then there's, there's, there's so much for us that is waiting for us to, to accomplish. Yeah. Post, post That's post a very
0: Compton. optimistic my, mi- mindset state to, to have. Mm. And what I want to know is like, what, what was your mind, what was your mindset in terms of that responsibility being thrusted upon you? Like, you didn't ask to be the older sibling. You didn't necessarily ask to go Henry Compton and be in that. What was your mindset? Because it could have been very easy to be quite negative, or, or like not want to rise to the challenge, so to speak, of having that responsibility. So. How, how, what made you so optimistic and how did you feel like being in the position you were in? I just I just, I just thought, you know what, sometimes you've got to make
2: your own uh, odds. You know, you've got to yeah. make your own chances. You've got to make, make your own opportunities. If you're going to wait around, no one's going to give you, give you chances or opportunities. And I think, I, I saw it as a challenge. So mm. I think like, um, I like being the underdog.
0: Mm, and okay. I, like, I
2: like being in a position where I can prove people wrong. I like being in a position where, do you know what, there's a school down the road... Where you pay three, four thousand pounds a term, but I, I reckon I could still probably mm. do better than them in mm. this subject. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, and That's I feel really and I feel that that is the sense of bravado that we had with us as a yeah. school. Mm. That's so true. So look, here's the here's the funny thing. Yeah, <laughs> inside Henry Compton, um, it's every man for himself. But when you're outside of the school, and you're where and and, and you see someone else from Henry Compton. There was this incredible bondage, like mm. you're 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 my brother,
0: mm. you know.
2: Like I'm gonna look out for you. You're gonna look yeah. out for me. Yeah. Mm. And I feel like that was the sense when, when we sort of met up after everyone's sort of moved on from Henry Compton, mm. and we started to you know catch up, etc. Um, that feeling still was there. Yeah. Like I'm pr- Like almost like your father saying to you, "I'm proud of you." Yeah. For for getting these these grades and now yeah. you know going on to university, etc. Yeah. Uh, and that was an incredible feeling where. That sense of family, yeah. you know, in a, in some way yeah. came out of that. And to be honest with you, look, I've got four, or five of my friends who I'm still in touch with on a regular basis who went to come Henry Compton with me, and they might, they might, you know, they they've seen me grow, yeah, like my parents have, yeah, in a weird way, they've seen me in my you know yeah. uh, young years coming through this, the, the, the the these phases and coming up to where I am today.
0: That's so interesting. Cut. <laughs> It's, it's sort of that, that, sh- that camaraderie that comes from a shared oppression almost, like that you went through the same tumultuous times and you both acknowledge that or you all acknowledge that and that's what kind of makes you close. Something I want to ask you, I almost spoke about like being the oldest in his family and the responsibility that kind of put on him. You're also the oldest sibling mm. in your family. Like, what kind of, how, how, how do you feel like that's kind of shaped? I think it's think?
1: it's a lot to do with not having a blueprint in front of you and like you have a lot of agency mixed with a lot of pressure you know what i mean so you are automatically the role model for your younger sibling Mm. so you need to need to bear that in mind Mm. with every step that you make i don't think you become conscious of this until you reach a certain age you know Mm. what i mean because there's a level of maturity you need to have before you start thinking about others um but it's an interesting one because you can do anything and it's the first time you've done it you know what i mean and it's it's good to some extent because you're not living up to expectations Mm -hmm. so sometimes I i kind of um, I feel like my younger brother has to deal with a lot of pressure, or has to deal with a lot of um, a lot of difficulties because he's got an older brother that has done certain things. So there might be certain expectations that are linked to him. So it's quite—I'm quite grateful for the opportunity of being the older brother to some extent.
2: I like the fact that you say there's no there's no blueprint yeah. because I do think the path you set yourself out is—you could you could think you can go back and think maybe I could do things differently. Yeah. Mm. But the consequences or the repercussions, like you, y- you just don't know. Mm, and sure. I feel like there was there was a moment where I think I was in year ten. We started to take life a bit more seriously now. Mm, you yeah, know, like yeah, the first few no, years, yeah. it's like not really. But yeah. now you're, you're looking at okay, GCSEs. Yeah. You know? And um, I had a conversation with my science teacher, who said to me, "Have you heard of the International Baccalaureate?" Mm. And I was like, "No. Uh, all, all I knew back then was A levels." So oh, well, you should give this a thought, you know, you, you do seven subjects instead of four. Um, it's a bit more, you know, you get, you, do, you get to do a lot of different subjects, cross-disciplinary. So I thought, sure, let me have a look at this. And um, the only place that did it for free in the country back then was Richmond-upon-Thames College mm. in Twickenham. Mm. Now, there were a few of us from Compton who ended up going to uh, Richmond College. Um, and a lot more probably went to uh william morris Uh which is not down the road from compton Uh but i was like you know what i've done five years of compton (laughs) i can't do another two years of compton (laughs) at sixth form level so i want to get out of the area
0: yeah
2: but the 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 incredible thing is yeah i look back and think wow there were two people yeah from our year group me and my boy uh who we both wanted to do medicine alhamdulillah we both got a A stars a double a stars in our science um and um, and we looked at each other and we thought let's just give this IB a shot like uh, but we don't know and and we applied and we both got in and um, and then we we and it was it was stark because we went from all boys, Compton to now Richmond Twickenham. Needless to say, if you're in Twickenham, like. For us, it was like outside of London back yeah, then, yeah. and so traveling there on on like the train to Reading, I remember it's the trains to Reading where you go, if I'm not mistaken, one of the stops is Felton, yeah, so, mm. and you're on your way to to Twickenham. So we get off to Twickenham and you make a long walk to the to the college, and you're you're right next to this Twickenham Stadium, and you're like these plush, mm. massive green fields. And you're like this is completely different to where where you know where we live in London, and so we did IB, but it was mixed. You had international students with you. You had European students who spoke mm. maybe three, four languages, mm. had come back from a background that was very, very different. Mm. So I'm not going to lie, I think the first year of doing the IB was quite difficult because you're trying to, s- your sense of belonging was not, mm. you weren't really comfortable. Mm. Whereas me going to Compton, as much as it was, you know, not academically,
0: yeah. you know,
2: up there, you still felt comfortable in the surroundings because of the people who were there. But this required a bit of adjustment uh, to fit in. And um, we still stay true to ourselves, uh, while being mindful that, you know, you're in a space where academically, now that now that now the pressure is on. Mm. So it's always again it was another it was a different type of challenge because now you're in the room with the people you that you wanted to to match or beat. Yeah. So you're in the same room with them now. Yeah. And so, Alhamdulillah, we we managed to get through. You know, I had a change of heart. I was going to do medicine. I actually, applied for medicine. And I think back then at UCAS you had six options. If you did medicine, you'll take up five of the six options for UCAS um and then the, other, the last option was like a backup and I said actually you know what? I want to do economics and politics mm. so that's an interesting backup yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah because that's when I, I had that change of heart thinking well I love medicine but for me I was always interested in in these different cross-societal issues mm. education you know social housing uh social class mm. um the system that we live in new yeah. liberal democracies neoliberalism yeah um you know justice and what does that look like and so but i mean the reason why i mentioned is you look back and i think there were were moments which again it's difficult like you say, there's no blueprint but there were certain things that happened for a reason and for me it was about looking at others who are going through a similar journey right now where i'm able to actually look into them and understand what they're going through um and not in a in a uh, condescending manner or in a pedantic way or anything like that but actually to be in a, in a, in a way to say look um, if, if I did this you are more than capable mm. right because now I want to support the, the younger generation who maybe didn't have someone they could maybe speak to right not look up to speak mm. to because everyone's mm. on a different unique journey and so for me it's about having that conversation to look at and mm. even including yourselves both of you sitting in front of me like it's really inspiring to see people who've come up from a similar, you know, background and be in an institution like we're in, like you guys are at today and see, wow, continue to break these walls down, continue to break these ceilings down, to continue to, you know, prove people wrong, but not it's not your job to prove people mm. wrong. That's also important. We can fall into a trap where we can almost it's our duty to prove people wrong. Mm. Because you still fall into the master slave relationship where you are your only, your only definition of your existence, or the, the the need for you to exist, is to prove your master wrong. That is not freedom. Freedom is 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 breaking that chain between the master and the slave to say, actually, I exist and I belong, not in, in definition or by definition because of my relationship to you. I'm not here to prove you wrong, right? I'm here to 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 live my freedom in, in, in completeness, in, f- in complete, full understanding of what your belonging means. So your identity, you know, and I think it's interesting, I was speaking to someone earlier about um, first-generation immigrants who come to the country who didn't have really have an identity issue. They were more confident in their identity and actually were, therefore, in terms of practical terms of wanting to make something out of their life, a lot more forthcoming, a lot more entrepreneurial. Whereas the younger generation now have this identity crisis or issue because they were raised, they were brought up, told that your home is back home, right? And we know what our parents are trying to say here. Mm. They say, your, your roots, do not forget your roots, which is fine. We all have shared histories, we all have shared identities. It's important. But also, when you go to school, so your parents are saying one thing, but then more importantly, the state is saying another, and your you know, people in, uh, that you live in in the same neighborhood are saying different things to you, whereas there's the racism or the xenophobia, etc. Then you have this question about where do I belong, mm-hmm. right? And that really impacts your growth, your your confidence. And so for me, when I look at young, confident men and women, you know, future leaders of our community, brothers and sisters, who are able to power through, full in full confidence of their identity mm. everything else is achievable and i think that actually is what got me through henry mm. compton and richmond and get me to mm. university and so mm. and i was just firm and confident in who i am on the topic of,
0: of identity um and, and sort of finding your your place in the world or, or acknowledging the place that you already have in the world Soleiman and i often talk about an aspect of identity which is speech Right, mm. and going to Henry Compton and having the upbringing you have, I'm sure this is something you'll be familiar with. And it's something that for me, I had wrestled with a lot. The way you speak changing, is that a, is that a foregoing of yourself or is that self-development?
2: Language is power. Language is power. I mean, one of the greatest, I think, underrated academic thinkers of our time, uh, Ngugi Watongo from Kenya, wrote a book called Decolonization of the Mind. He actually went through a similar struggle in the sense that he spoke his local dialect and he was adamant that he was going to write his his literature and his books in his local language mm. um which would then be would, would then be translated into other languages i mean he could speak english but he decided actually no i wanted to speak in my local language so for him it's about and i mean there's a lot, lot of literature written about power the intersection of power language mm. and knowledge mm. And, you know, written by Foucault, written by Bourdieu. Uh, You look at Eric Erickson's uh, essay on on identities, the fact that we're ever evolving. So I would certainly say that when you learn a new language and learn how to play a new instrument, it hasn't changed your identity. It's almost evolved you as Mm. an individual. So growth. And Allah, subhanahu wa I mean, the Rasul alayhi al made a wajib to seek knowledge, Mm. right? So it's quite interesting that to seek knowledge even if it was in china is actually an instruction that your identity is not stationary mm-hmm. your identity is evolving because then we connect this hadith to the ayah in surah Al-Hushaarat, when allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la says we created you to different nations and tribes so that you may recognize one another mm-hmm. so actually from from these two things and actually if we're looking connecting at the two sort of like the western academia of like knowledge language power Evolving identities, what the Rasul has made it wajib on us to go and actually seek education. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that we create in different nations, we may recognize one another, understand, appreciate, have differing opinions. But it's important to understand and know. 100% it's all about evolving identities. I mean, I look, I, I genuinely feel it's almost like when you have different currencies. Mm-hmm. Right? So obviously there's, the, there's a general currency that we exchange and work with. But then it's almost like the secret currency that you're able to tap into certain communities or engage with who have that trust. And I completely agree. That's why for me, I'm able to actually sit with you in this conversation, in this sort of podcast. I'm probably switching from academic English to more sort of colloquial English. But I'm completely comfortable with that Mm. because that's who I am and and, and, that's, and I don't have to choose between one or the other mm. definitely and I think that I don't know about you Suleiman yeah, but I just feel 100%, like sometimes it's, really it's like I'm able to like connect with you on a deeper level
1: mm. knowing that we have a lot more in common mm. do you know what I mean and, and not being afraid mm. about it like I was I've told this to Saladin before but it always comes down to what's the purpose of speech and like why do we speak in the first place and for me we speak to be received and how and the way in which we speak needs to be kind of Thought about. You know what I mean, mm. you should be thoughtful before you speak, so that you your your speech and your message essentially is received. And being versatile, evolving by learning languages completely changes the way that you're able to kind of impact others. So, Omar, moving forward a mm. bit more,
0: so you you're now doing your PhD. Mm. Um, as well as lecturing. So talk us a little bit about how what those steps were to get to, to where you are now doing that.
2: Well, to be honest with you, like I, I was thinking about academia and lecturing. So I did my undergrad at Goldsmiths and my master's at SOAS. I took a couple of years out uh, to work and came back and revisited as an opportunity to do uh, to apply for a scholarship. Mm-hmm. So the only way for me to do a PhD, to sustain myself while doing a PhD, was to get a scholarship. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it would be very difficult managing a few mm-hmm. jobs and also doing the PhD. Unless, of course, I went part-time. So, uh, alhamdulillah, I applied for a scholarship, looking at integration of Muslims in Britain, Mm. SOAS, got the scholarship. um, And um, my thesis focuses on a couple of passions that I have. One is football and sport, and also diplomacy is the other passion I have. And I think from the earlier conversation around Henry Compton and identities, I have a passion in exploring the world. Have a passion in bringing different people together, understanding more about each other, whilst also sharing something which is very, spe- you know, mm. dear to me, which is my faith, mm. um, um, and that's something which is prevalent in all of my work and maybe my my, my journey as a as a young kid who, who turned into a teenager and a young adult, and now you know you know someone who is still growing, still learning. And my faith is my main driver. You know how I react. How do I how do I react to mm. the world? I meet the world where it is and I just take it from there. Hence the optimism, hence the sort of progressive thinking. Mm. Um, and a lot of that comes from my faith, you know, to, to, to force me to, to grow, right? So you look at, for example, for me in our re- recent history, I look at Muhammad Ali, mm. the, the boxer. And yeah. For me, he, he he's, he's my ultimate role model when it comes to like, someone who's lived in the modern t- era,
0: mm.
2: and how he's managed to, to convey political issues, social issues, and religious all three which again is what my my, mm. my interests are in mm. i look at someone like him where politically he was courageous to stand and say he would not go f- to fight in vietnam mm. i look at socially where he was standing up for the civic rights movement in the u.s and not being afraid of pushback or sponsorship deals being cut off and his faith again proudly affirming his faith to islam and speaking about it you know, in such a very eloquent, articulate manner. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the many interviews he did with Paxman, mm-hmm. where he said something like, "A lot of black families around the U.S. and around the world are watching this and jumping up and down
0: mm-hmm.
2: in celebration that like they see a black man, nice suited, booted, with eloquence, speaking about things which many of them were not able to be afforded that platform to mm-hmm. speak about." And I feel, for someone, I look like I look at him and I think, "Wow, that's someone who." Uh, truly, you know, in, in 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 such elegance, you know, addressed every point of view with such ease, but poetically as well. Mm. It was incredible.
0: Um, what do you want to be doing more of in the future? What does the future hold for, for Omar?
2: I mean, look, for me, it's about uh, empowering our community as a whole. That's that. My passion is about that. My passion is about looking at how we can get many of us to start thinking about ourselves as a collective mm. not as individuals um you know inshallah if i could faci- be a facilitator in that then alhamdulillah mm. you know uh, you know i love you know having these conversations with you guys um i love the fact that it, it, it's in this room and you're like <laughs> you're proper, you get just mad inspiration you know like you just look <laughs> sitting in this room and you're thinking wow and i love lecturing i love like being able to be that like, educator and facilitate and I want to push people to start questioning things that mm. are given to them you know and to look look at things through a critical lens mm. um, I do believe in, in collective social justice I do believe that you know as much as it's important that we should work and strive ourselves to try and make out what we can it's about empowering the community as a whole mm. because if you don't do that you've now fit into the neoliberal trap which is about me, 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 me not thinking about your neighbor not thinking about those uh, around you so for me about look i I think from a academic perspective i'd love to continue writing publishing inshallah like um, i want to keep on doing that because i think that's my passion um it's just the time for it (laughs) that you need to set yourself out to do that because it's a lot of things that i would love to write about and i want people to read and inshallah they could be inspired from that Um, and also i think um you know in terms of real projects I, i like to look at myself as a Uh, pracademic. So there's a practical (laughs) and academic after that, right? So I love to be, I'm embedded in the community, mm, mm, but I'm also, you know, in the academic world. So don't get it twisted in other words, (laughs) you know? I have to drop that in at the end. (laughs) Before
1: Sadin wraps it up, I I just remembered something. Yeah. One of the final lines in my poem yesterday was inspired by you actually, was inspired by something you said in the um, Islamic society event that we organized last term. And the line was we are all here for a reason. Faith, purpose, action. That is the mantra for this season. Oh, and I like know? that. Can I, can I, can, <laughs> take I, can I take that? it I, with you? No, I'm going to credit you. Don't worry. I'm, I'm <laughs> you, but I need this. Write this to me. I love that. now nah, because Faith, Purpose, Action was the title of his presentation. Yeah. And yeah, man, that's basically the themes you brought up today as well, mm. man. Like, but yeah.
2: Wicked, man. Got to do this again, though.